Hello, I'm Hannah McInnes, and I had the pleasure of attending the Closters Forum in June to interview some of its participants for a podcast series to discuss the complex issue of plastic pollution. The Closters Forum brings together thought leaders and decision makers in the Swiss Alps to inspire discussions and cultivate collaborations in order to tackle some of the world's most pressing environmental challenges. My name is Craig Leeson. I'm a film director, uh, the director of the film The Plastic Ocean. Uh, I have a production company. We're based in Hong Kong. Uh, documentaries are my personal interest, but our production company makes content, uh, corporate content for companies, fashion houses, banks, and TV commercials. But that doesn't interest me personally that well, so I tend to focus on, on documentaries. I love meeting people. I love telling stories, and, uh, and that's my role. I think the skill that I bring to the world is as a storyteller. Why did you specifically feel the plastic story needed telling? I didn't, actually. Um, I didn't know what single-use plastics were um, until it was pointed out to me. Uh, a plastic ocean, the concept was from a marine biologist uh, and a very good friend of mine who asked me one day if I'd seen plastic in the ocean when I was surfing, when I was filming, and I had no idea what she was talking about. So she explained to me that she thought there was a problem and uh, she headed off to do research in the North Pacific Gyre, um, having heard that there was a, an accumulation of plastic there. And she asked me to look <clears throat> between my toes when I was surfing and when I was on the beach and when I was diving and uh, when I was filming in oceans around the world over the course of the, the three months. And when I started looking for what she described, I couldn't believe that I'd never seen it before. Once you see single-use plastic as a problem, you see it as not a convenience, not a, a, an addiction or a habit, you know, which has become an addiction that I often talk about then you can't unsee it. It's suddenly everywhere. And every time I went surfing, I'd see plastic bags floating in the water. Uh, on the beach, I'd see brightly coloured, tiny plastic pieces amongst the shells and on the wind line. And I'd see ghost nets and fishing line wrapped around reefs. And it just got me thinking about why somebody who's so in tune with the ocean, who grew up on a beach, who could swim before he could walk, was so blind to this product and the damage it was causing the marine ecosystem and that was the start of my journey and uh, when Joe came back and reported that they'd found 46,000 pieces of microplastics in the center of this gyre not a floating island of plastic as we've been told that doesn't exist it's actually much worse it's this insidious smog of plastic that you really can't see until you trawl with manta trawls and bring it to the surface that we realized there must be a problem because there are five gyres on the planet. And if this one in the North Pacific is choked with plastic, then the world is really just one ocean. There must be plastics in the other four gyres. So that was the impetus to go and find out something that nobody could tell us about. There was very little science on it, very little anecdotal evidence about how much plastic was in the oceans and the damage it was causing. What did you find out? Uh, we found out that it was not only worse than we thought, um, it was creating uh, more questions. So the film moved from being what it principally was designed to be, which was a marine eco story about the damage that was being caused to systems that we, we rely on, but one that I'm very familiar with, uh, into becoming a human story because we realised that this was getting in the food chain and... Uh, 
that it was causing a human health issue because we take a lot of protein uh, from the oceans. And, and so it moved from being a marine-based um, documentary to being a land-based documentary to being a human documentary. Were you finding that it is proven, the health impacts upon humans? This is a very difficult question and one that's still quite controversial amongst many people. We worked with um, one of the lead endocrine uh, scientists, uh, Sue Joplin, and uh, the Brunel University. And their studies had led them to believe there was a connection between endocrine disruption and chemicals uh, that are associated with plastic, like phthalates and bisphenol A's, and particularly where they have estrogenic activity. And they believe that there is links between uh, that activity and cancers and diabetes, and particularly reproductive issues. Um, and problems where this estrogenic activity and these chemicals are, are mimicking and sometimes blocking the body's natural ability to produce these hormones. Um, so th- the question now is, now we know that there, there is a link, is how much of these chemicals does it take to trigger uh, these problems, these diseases within us, um, and, and how long is that period before it becomes a major problem? What are you working on now? So a natural segue for me was, uh, was something, once again, that I didn't have very much understanding about, and that was climate change. And that came about in a very similar way to the awareness and, and the desire to do a plastic ocean in that I was on holiday. I was actually with a friend uh, in the mountains in Val d'Isere. I went there to learn how to climb, to overcome this fear I have of heights, um, I'm an oceans guy. Uh, I like my bum very close to the to the ground or to the ocean. And whilst we were there, there was no snow. And this was near Christmas when the place should have been covered in snow. And that, I just started asking questions like, why isn't there any snow? And I started talking to the locals who had lived there for 50 years. And they said, look, this is the worst year we've ever had. We think it's climate change. And I spoke to, um, I went and found the meteor, local meteorologist and spoke to him to get a better understanding. And he said, look, you know, we could attribute this to climate change. And I then went back and started thinking about this and saw that there was so much argument uh, and noise from a minority of people dismissing climate change. And I couldn't work out why. And I realised that there had been no story that had brought the science of climate change into an understandable level for the majority of people. It's a very difficult thing to have explained to you by a scientist uh, because they have their own jargon, they have, have their own language. And I met a chap, I was doing a talk uh, in Hong Kong, and I met a guy called Jerome Chapeles, who was the head of an ice core project. And he explained climate change in a way that just set light bulbs off to me. Um, they study the cores of glaciers all around the world. And within those cores, there are gases that are trapped um, and have been from 800,000 years ago up till today. And those gases show what the atmosphere was like. And so they've been able to measure the atmosphere and the change in the atmosphere from 800,000 years ago up until today. And you've got this natural oscillation that you see where the gases uh, just vary as the earth wobbles around the sun and becomes colder and then warmer and then colder then warmer. Then in the last 120 years, there's this hockey tick that goes off the chart in terms of methane quadruples, CO2 starts to double. And we can measure that against human intervention 
with the uh, the advent of fossil fuels and burning of coal and all this sort of thing. So it's a very simple way to say climate change is fact. Here are the gases. They tell us a very, very, very precise story. And this is what we've done as humans. And if you put those two together, we can extrapolate the fact that human intervention is causing climate change. And so that was a story that I wanted to share with people. And so the film working title is The Last Glaciers. And we've been using that thread to tell the story. But within that thread, we're looking at things like we're making it sexy with extreme sports people. And we're talking to people who uh, have spent time in mountains and seeing the mountains heat up. And as they heat up, they expand. They're causing avalanches and, and crevasses to open up. And, and, and uh, that's causing a lot of problems for mountaineers and deaths and, and all this sort of thing. And so is there a, a correlation between that and the heating of these mountains? But Within that, we've got the stories of solutions and, and students. So we're following the student movement around the world and seeing how they're having this profound change on an older generation because mm. they see the future. You know, they say we're stealing their future. They have a right to be concerned. Um, they have a right to demand that we look at this and tackle it appropriately. So there's a lot of different stories, but it's in a very similar format to A Plastic Ocean. Do you think you will go back to plastics though i mean the important thing is with plastics as you said at the beginning is that it is something that people really can see and films like yours and blue planet are essential aren't they for galvanizing people yeah well being able to tell tell the story and have people become aware is very important that was what we wanted to do with the film was create awareness and and we created a absolutely we blew our own minds with how we were able to do that with the film so we achieved that um how did you see that happen when you say you blew your own minds mm. how did you see that in a very visual way firstly when we released the trailer before six months before we, we released the film we wanted to tease people that the film was coming and i literally watched the view counter on on youtube just clocking over going from you know, from a few people to a few thousand and then four hours later to hundreds of thousands and, you know, today it's over a million views and that's just on the trailer. A film's been seen by tens of millions of people now in all sorts of uh, arenas around the world and is still viewed, you know, 40, 50 times a night somewhere. And I get dozens of emails every day from people saying to me, you've, you know, you, you, the film changed their life because it, it galvanised the issue or or my child came home and said dad why are you wrapping my sandwiches in plastic don't you know what that does and my child took me to see the film and now we've done a complete audit in our house of all the single-use plastic and we're getting rid of it and so the the reaction uh, has been wonderful and people have felt the need to share which is great because it's one of the very few real metrics that we've been able to have uh, because Netflix doesn't tell us how many eyeballs we have you see but iTunes does uh, and we knew we were number one documentary on iTunes within the first three weeks. It's extraordinary what you make me realise. Journalists, filmmakers, photographers have a huge part to play in this. Yeah, because we're, you know, we need to relate. We're trying, you know, I see myself almost as a translator in that film. And in fact, it took three months to translate the signs language, distill it down into a language that I thought the average person could understand. And I had great arguments with our scientists because they kept saying, you can't say it that way, you have to use this word. 
And I'd say, if we use that word, I'm going to have everyone in the cinema asleep within 30 seconds. So we need to explain that word. And this is the best way I think we should do it, unless you have a better way. And so there's a real learning process by both of us. I mean, the scientists, I think, learn to become better communicators. And we learned a lot of science. You know, I, I'm a frustrated scientist. Um, by nature, and uh, and I've always found science and life systems incredibly uh, instructional, uh, entertaining as well. Um, yeah. And so making that translation was very much a big part of it. And as a journalist and, and a filmmaker, yes, I think that's our role. And our role is understanding uh, what people need, the information, and how, how it should be delivered. You know, what kind of language that um, is easy for them to digest and understand. Thank you very much. Sadly, I have to end there. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.